everyone, and welcome to the Rockefeller Center's podcast, Rocky Talk. My name is Sydney Toll, and I'm a 22 at Dartmouth. Today, I'm joined by Monica Dolores Hooks, Executive Director of Atlanta's Women's Entrepreneurship Initiative and founder and CEO of The Moracle, doing business as The Marketing Oracle, a marketing innovation agency. Monica built her corporate career at Sony Music Entertainment and has over 20 years of expertise in content marketing and brand management, targeting projects and brands driven by youth culture and social influencers. At the Women's Entrepreneurship Initiative, Monica is responsible for innovation policy, entrepreneur workforce programs, financial capacity building, as well as entrepreneur retention and development as it pertains to women's entrepreneurship throughout the city of Atlanta. She is also a graduate of the City of Atlanta's Women's Entrepreneurship Initiative inaugural class and winner of the 2017 Microsoft Innovation Bots and Cognitive Services Award. Monica, thank you so much for joining joining us this week and for giving such an inspiring lecture yesterday. Thank you so much for having me. It's um, been a treat so far and I'm looking forward to this conversation as well, Sydney. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to start off by asking if you could tell us a little bit of how you got involved and became passionate about women's entrepreneurship and for creating these opportunities for economic mobility in the city of Atlanta. Um, Well, yes. Um, I got to this work um, in the spirit of entrepreneurship myself as an entrepreneur. Um, My version of it was a solopreneur. Uh, even though I have and still um, have um, goals of, of building additional companies. Um, but I, uh, I think that my success, and I put that word success in, in quotation marks, um, is a result of all of my failures. And I put the word failures in quotation marks as well. Now, I, um, I, 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 I left my corporate career at Sony and I went into what I call the wild, wild west of startups. Um, certainly as a part of this new information um, age that we're experiencing and how that that is driving a lot of innovation. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it was really, it was very challenging. It certainly did not subscribe to the Hollywood narrative of entrepreneurship. And uh, I, I, I stepped into a lot of traps along the way, uh, things that uh, I, if I had a do-over, I'd do a little bit differently. So um, School of Hard Knocks, uh, I think, is also on my resume. And I, um, when the, the WE program, um, or the Women's Entrepreneurship Initiative, came to Atlanta, or was birthed out of Atlanta, and I was a part of it, I was able to approach it from kind of a, a critical um, perspective, knowing all the things that I, I needed as an entrepreneur and all the things I know that, that women and entrepreneurs need for success. So that's the space that I've been operating out of. I, I know where the gaps are, where the deficiencies are. Um, and then I, I, I suppose the passion that comes from me is because I experienced it firsthand. Um, and have a, a really strong view on the things that are needed to address those gaps. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And you mentioned um, that you face some setbacks and some hardships, as I think a lot of entrepreneurs do. And I was just wondering if you had any advice 
for the young female listeners out there who are maybe looking to get into entrepreneurship or looking to one day start their own business? I do. I do. Um, a few pieces of advice. Uh, and they, they all, I think, fall under the, the scope of managing your expectations and, um, and, and embracing that. Um, I think that a lot of young people hear um, older folks say, keep going, don't give up. It's a, it's a bit of a cliche, but there's a reason everyone says it. Um, the breaks come when you don't expect them. They come when you've just been doing the work and then you look up and you'll find yourself in a new place. So I think it's important to understand that wherever, wherever you're trying to go as a budding entrepreneur, a young leader, you will get there. It, it likely will not look the way that you, that roadmap or that pathway, it, it's not going to look how, you know, the way that you envision it, but you will get there. And if you stay focused on the work, um, you'd be surprised, you know, the things that the triggers and the relationships and the things that get you there. So that's the reason I think a good number of people say, you know, just don't give up. Um, I think also the, the second piece of advice I'd like to give around managing expectations and particularly for young entrepreneurs is to have a strategy. I was just speaking with someone about this. I think a number of startups and young entrepreneurs think that they don't need strategy, that that's a luxury only afforded to big corporations or people um, or organizations with a deep, you know, pockets or, or capital. And there's maybe some truth to that, but as an entrepreneur, it's to your advantage to, to, um, to utilize strategy um, before you start um, to really think about the, the, the pieces of leverage that you have in your tool house, because you're going to need those. I mean, I think actually one of um, my classmates, he's a Dartmouth 91, Mark Peterson, I'm giving Mark a shout out on Gorillapreneur, which I suggest everyone listening, if you're a young entrepreneur, to listen to that podcast, it's the Gorillapreneur. And his thesis and premise is around um, David and Goliath and that, um, you know, David had a slingshot and that was part of his strategy. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's not about running as hard as you can, as fast as you can over and over again. Um, it's about really thinking through where you're trying to go, leveraging your, your assets and, and whatever natural abilities, uh, you've, you have, or that you've already developed and using them. Because it's it's it entrepreneurship is 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 not easy, and it's not supposed to be easy, and you're you're going to have to fall back on your strengths. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. And how do you find? I feel like it can be really hard to find those connections as a female um, in like a male dominated business space. So how did you kind of build those important connections that are necessary to become an entrepreneur and be successful? Well, I think you're right. I think it is. I think it's different. Um, and my point of reference is is is, is mine. Um, and I think that it, it it probably is harder. I think that as an entrepreneur, it you know it's it's fine to acknowledge that th that may be the case. 
But that acknowledgement does not necessarily serve you in whatever your purpose is. And in this case, you're talking about building those relationships. Um, again, yeah, it, it has it has been challenging. Um, and, and I think that gender plays some part. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, you know, the part that it plays and the challenges that you um, experience you, you can't really dissect them so much as as much as you can just keep going. So that's the answer. I just kept going. And I did. I, I had a number of ventures that failed, uh, partnerships that I'd forged. I remember building out a podcast that got really quite a, 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 lot, a significant subscription base from the corporate leaders. And, um, you know, I, I helped develop the relationships and put it together technically and build out the blog. And, and this was a dark ages, you know, <laughs> way before MailChimp or these things became so standard. And the, the guy I was working with, I built all of this out and then, um, then, you know, three months into it. And then, um, we said, okay, we got to go get some capital. And, and he was invested in a, a lot of communities go get money and he came back and said okay now I want to give you 10% of the company and you know mm. that is not an uncommon story so yeah it is hard and I would not do that again I would not you know put my um, expertise or my value into something without really understanding the relationship but I still think that you know it's not necessarily about going into that relationship brass tacks as much as <clears throat> it's just going through um, those experiences and and having a good foundation and, and you'll 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 figure it out. So and I guess what I'm saying is also just know that some of those things those things happen. They happen to all all entrepreneurs, regardless of gender, regardless of race. Um, and, and and that's a good perspective for you to have. And whatever difficulty you encounter, to know if it's harder for you now, it's going to be easier for you later. Yeah. Thank you. No, that's very important. I think perseverance is one of the hardest things sometimes to accomplish, but definitely an important skill to have. Um, and something that you mentioned at the beginning of your uh, lecture yesterday was that there's this narrative in our society that women aren't business people, despite the statistics that they clearly are and are very successful at doing so. So I was just wondering do you expect this narrative to change as more women achieve success? Or do you think that we're going to be stuck in this constant narrative that women aren't meant to be in the business world? Oh man, I hope it changes, Sydney. I mean, let's see, you're, <laughs> you're 30 years out from me um, at Dartmouth. Uh, and, and I, it's a little bit alarming to hear you um, ask these questions because it, it makes me think that some of the sentiment is, is still, um, still there. Um, I, I hope it changes. I remember being your, let's see, I was at Sony, so I was in my thirties before I was going into the startup space and a number of women at very high levels and had been very successful in the company had recently left and started their own agency with, um, serious assets, uh, in both capital and in terms of, you know, their relationships and the projects that they were working. And, you know, a year into it, speaking with them because we were working on projects, they said, you know, it's the, the thing that they pointed to was gender. And that was that was kind of a, 
it was a little bit shocking to me. I think I was still very, very heady and thinking, oh, well, it just doesn't matter. You can just win on merit. But, you know, those stereotypes are there. Uh, those gender biases are there. I think that if you are looking at this space as a career, you should, again, you should acknowledge it and know it and put together your strategy for maneuvering through that or around it if you can. And, and, then, and, and, and then that's it. And, and, and let it go. Don't let anything else hold you down. There's a wonderful, I, I, one of my favorite things about the college are the people that go there. I, you know, I have so much respect for my peers. So I'm going to quote yet another 91, uh, Odette Harris, who's brilliant, um, leading up neuroscience at Stanford right now, I think. Shout out to Odette. But I remember asking her these questions as I was coming out trying to find my way in this entrepreneurship space and she had achieved a good bit of success. And she just kept saying to me, Monica, you just have to know that like, say to yourself, well, then I'll show you. If anyone doubts you, say to yourself, well, I'll show you. And that's really the best thing you can do is, is, is know yourself and know that you're going to prove that person wrong. There are going to be some headwinds. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. And I don't mean to sound too pessimistic in my questions. I oh. am very optimistic. <laughs> but uh, I appreciate you saying that. Um, and touching more on the WE program specifically, because you know that is your main area. Um, you mentioned yesterday in your discussion the four main pillars of the program, um, some of which include developing leadership and professional skills, but also the funding opportunities and capital investment. And I'm kind of wondering which of these you think are more important to the program success, those skills or having like those financial assets? I think the skills are more important. I think the skills are more important, bar none. I think the money will come to you when the skills are in place. Um, you know, as, as it pertains to business, any kind of business, big business, um, medium, small business, startups, capital, capital is, um, Businesses that have traction attract capital. And so that kind of works itself out. Um, and I know there are all sorts of really, really discouraging statistics out there about the amount of monies invested in women. Uh, I think we had one on our website. It, it may still be there. We're going to take it down because I don't think it's very optimistic and I don't think it <laughs> drives the mission. But I think it's something like 2% of women get invested in something like this. Um, another Dartmouth, I think she's a, a, a 13. Um, she was speaking at, um, a women tech conference in New York. And she said, you know, I just, I wake up every day and think about how I'm going to succeed. I'm not interested in hearing about, you know, what I'm not going to have in terms of capital investment. So I think that that's a little bit of like, just a false conversation, you know, like a, it's, it's not worth too much time. I think the learning and leadership development where you, you really, where, you know, where you really fill up, figure out your fulfillment, you know, if you've got a product based business, are you really understand like how to develop a team around IOT technologies? If you're in an agricultural business, um, are, um, just building out a team, uh, because sometimes you pull in the wrong team members and you've got the wrong culture. All those things go to just building a, a profitable business, not gross, but net. And when you do that, cap people throw money at you. Now, I, I, I don't think that 
you know, when we were talking about those stereotypes earlier, the, the truth is so your counterpart, or particularly your male counterpart, may get, you know, $10 million thrown at them for success, and you might get $1 million thrown at you for your success. And that's, that's not fair. But life is not fair. And as I say, that $1 million thrown at you, you, you could decide to look at that as, um, as a positive. You could say, well, then my capitalization table is much stronger, right? Because I haven't taken out so much. Um, I haven't given away so much of the company, hopefully. Um, I don't owe that many people um, if you've got those, those, those things in place. And, um, and, and I, don't owe that, I don't owe that much. <laughs> you know, I can pay that $1 million off quickly. And so it, it, you can flip that and say that this is going to be an advantage for me. Um, following up on the funding piece, I, I, I mentioned the Sage report out of Wharton. Uh, there are quite a number of firms that are now investing in women. And, th and that's the other thing. I don't think that investment, like you can't force someone to be your friend. You can't force someone to invest in you. And then you can't, for you can't force relationships and it doesn't make sense to do it anyway. You don't want to work with someone who doesn't want to work with you. Now, I think that as we see more women building capital and then and more women building capital, they're going to invest in other women because they can appreciate the, um, the thought process, the leadership skills, um, the, the, the leadership ways of a, a female CEO in a way that their male counterpart won't. So they might invest $10 million into a, a woman-led company where their male counterparts say, oh, I only do $1 million. And those things work themselves out. It, 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 sometimes it takes a little bit of time. And uh, I go back to the strategy piece because you've got to go to places that are, are at least be strategic about who you do your outreach to. But that's how I see those things playing. Um, so enough of the rambling. The short question is, get the skills to build a business, the money will come. <laughs> Thank you. And as we have entered a new year, I was wondering, uh, do you have any goals specifically for 2021 to achieve with regards to the WE program or maybe expanding um, if you're working on any other projects? Yes. Um, as the program is set up now, you know, it's a 15-month program for 15 entrepreneurs. I'm very keen to scale that and touch um, a much larger number of entrepreneurs in the greater Atlanta area and, and throughout the world, frankly, because the program has such a, a strong profile as being so unique. So, um, like, next week we'll be doing some programming with the African Chamber of Commerce to develop relationships between our entrepreneurs. But it, here in the city of Atlanta, I've um, about to enter into some partnerships. I think I mentioned a sports franchise, some things that are a bit more popular or in the kind of like this maybe not the public government space, but kind of like the popular community space to elevate the program, make sure that people know that it exists and that um, that is here for them as a resource and how to access it. Because I think that messaging we can do better there. So certainly expanding the program through programming, through some of those partnerships. And then the second piece, the three pieces, expand the program, and that's going to lead to a more, um, a stronger pipeline. Um, I think that a lot of you know, young women who are 13, 14, 15, they wouldn't necessarily know um, what are the, the, the next five steps. And I, I want to <clears throat> 
through this programming, these partnerships start to really try and educate the broader community on what that looks like for them and if that's the right path for them. Um, programming pipeline to the and then the last piece, um, I would like to um, change the structure of the program. Right now, we essentially do one cohort every two years um, in that 15 months, and because you got to put some bookends on that with regard to recruitment. And I want to change that one cohort to every two years to two cohorts every year. Um, so I'm, I'm keen to change the program into 15 weeks of, of, actually, of actual curriculum, about four months of curriculum, but give women access to the co-working space for the full 15 months. So those are some of the, the key um, goals that I have for the program this year. That's awesome. It's great to hear all the work that you've been doing and that you're going to continue to do. So thank you. Um, and the, just one more question I have is, do you have any tips for seeking out um, women-owned businesses to support for our listeners? Oh, wow. You know, I mean, there, um, there are a good number of, of, of um, businesses, community leaders, agencies, I think, putting together um, portals, for lack of a better word, access to those, those lists. Um, so for instance, I think uh, this month, Amazon just launched an entire uh, platform around um, leveraging Black History Month, but, and I'm sure they'll probably do something for Women's History Month where they spotlight a number of these businesses. Um, and I see the same happening um, a lot of big tech firms. Um, I, I know a number of entrepreneurs that are putting together these lists, like, um, like a book of business, um, specific to verticals. Um, and I think that, and I know about them through um, volunteer organizations like Women in Tech um, or Women Who Code. Um, they, they tend to have lists of businesses um, specific to their affiliation. Um, I think everyone should check to start with their Metro or start with their uh, Chamber of Commerce. It's always a great place to start. Um, and if you have a Women's Chamber of Commerce, uh, certainly start there as well. They're going to have a good set, a good list to start from. I think there are also a number of uh, private agencies out there doing this work. Um, things like the gathering spot here out of Atlanta, and they've just launched um, this affiliates in Los Angeles and Washington, D.C. So that's kind of like the Soho House meets WeWork. I think there are a number of, you know, private community-driven businesses that pull these lists together or pull these people together. Um, here in Atlanta, we've got another one called the Lola, another co-working space. You know, look at your local government. Start with your Chamber of Commerce. Look at your economic development agencies. They often have a list of, of, of businesses in, in, the, in the startup or entrepreneurship space. Identify the private businesses in your community that speak to the co-working space, startup space, the small business space. And then also, I'd say, volunteer with organizations that are in your vertical. You know, maybe it's a, it's a law you know, and the Lawyers Association, various trade organizations, engineering associations, marketing associations, 
becoming a part of those trade groups in your city, you're going to meet the leaders in your area and you're going to meet the, the aspiring leaders. And so that list will come to you. Thank you so much. I know I really appreciate all the advice you've given us and I'm sure our audience will as well. Um, and thank you just for taking the time to give your lecture yesterday and to sit down and do this interview with me. Um, and thank you guys as well for listening. Uh, please tune in next week for our next episode and have a great week. Thank you guys. Bye. Thank you, Sydney. This podcast is a production of the Nelson A. Rockefeller Center for Public Policy and the Social Sciences. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and not of the Rockefeller Center. This episode was produced and edited by Laura Howard. We hope you will join us for our next episode. And if you want more information, you can find us at rockefeller.dartmouth.edu.